Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. You're listening to These Interesting Times, Surviving 2020 in the Quad Cities, a literary anthology edited by Misty Urban and published by the Midwest Writing Center Press in Rock Island, Illinois. My name is Jonathan Turner. My essay is called Heavy Metal, A Year Like No Other from These Interesting Times, Surviving 2020 in the Quad Cities. T.S. Eliot had it all wrong. April is not the cruelest month. March 2020 saw one soul-crushing loss after another for many around the world, including me. The year began with such beautiful promise. As a veteran pianist who has played for more than 50 years and has two degrees in music, I was thrilled to start rehearsals as accompanist and assistant music director for my first Quad City Music Guild production, The Secret Garden, in early February. The score, with music by Lucy Simon and lyrics by Marcia Norman, is simply stunning, and we had a stupendously gifted cast. Working with my friend Keith Hahn, the organist and choir director at Zion Lutheran Church in Davenport, where I've played since 1999, was also an absolute joy. I was surprised by a call before 8 a.m. on March 6th from my boss at the newspaper. I had written for the Dispatch Argus since we moved to the Quad Cities in fall 1995, staying on after the daily paper was bought by Quad City Times owner Lee Enterprises in mid-2017. My job as arts and entertainment reporter was being eliminated, along with three other newsroom jobs, the latest in a series of occasional layoffs that were decimating the paper, an event that was all too common in the U.S. journalism industry. I was shell-shocked and despondent. I had that beat since early 2009 and loved it. At least, I told myself I still had my music jobs at the church and Music Guild, but the next week we learned that our son Josh, then a sophomore at Grinnell College, would have to leave campus March 13th to begin the great new national adventure of remote learning. That same night at the Moline Prospect Park Theater, the Secret Garden cast and crew were informed by Music Guild board that the show would have to be canceled just two weeks before our opening night because of increasing public health concerns. That was another breathtaking loss that had me fighting back tears. Loss and rebirth were the themes of this stirring production as they became for the world in 2020. And musical director Jeff Ashcraft was an inspiration in the brief weeks we worked together. He recounted for us the death of a brother when he was in college as it relates to a frequent subject of loss, grief, and death in the haunting, beautiful musical that sings of hope and redemption. For both of us, this was to be our first Guild experience in the then 71-year history of this Quad Cities cultural institution. The actors and singers are some of the most talented in our area, and they were lending their time and talents for free out of the goodness of their big hearts and tremendous passion for this art form. I shared their deep frustration and disappointment to not see the bountiful blooms from all the seeds we planted and nurtured. The last time I was in a bar or restaurant was that night of March 13th. The cast took turns singing karaoke, and I belted out Bruce Springsteen's Hungry Heart. The last in-person church service I played was March 15th. It was so strange not to be in church for 2020's Holy Week, 
Easter and Christmas, and then again for 2021, Holy Week and Easter. But I contributed several hymns, preludes, and other music from home or in the empty church for online services. But I deeply missed the Holy Communion of worshiping and performing with other people in and outside of church. Luckily, within a few days of losing my full-time job, I was asked to freelance for both WVIK, the Quad Cities NPR station, and QuadCities.com, a free arts and features site run by a friend who was formerly entertainment editor at the paper. Despite most arts activities being canceled, I didn't lack for subjects to write about on top of the unending string of cancellations, and I flourished in the freedom and flexibility of the new online format. Unlike the restrictions of daily print journalism, I was allowed to write in any length I wanted with a personal style and flair that often was discouraged in traditional journalism. One of the most affecting early stories for me was a memorial as March 2020's losses included the singular John Vanderwoostein, a large man with a big name, a booming voice, enormous heart, and an even bigger theatrical talent. He left this earth Wednesday, March 25th. This Geneseo institution, he was a veteran city employee retiring as public works director, was only 66 and not only left behind his wife Judy and daughters Emily and Sarah, but also a staggering body of theatrical work and memories we can cherish. Though John performed at most theaters in the QC area, he was perhaps best known as Mr. Richmond Hill after having dedicated so much time as board president, director, actor, and tireless volunteer at the Geneseo Barn Theater. Many of my 2020 stories featured artists, musicians, nonprofit arts groups, museums, theaters, and others adapting to the new COVID era and the pure creativity and perseverance they mustered to meet their mission and practice their art, for the most part, online. I wrote several stories on how both vocal and instrumental groups in the area still found a way to come together during a challenging year. A couple of my personal favorites were up on choirs, one small and local and the other a staggering yet gentle global group. The first on July 23rd, was when I spoke with a QC woman who was part of an astoundingly huge virtual choir. Len Stukert of LeClaire could not sing the praises of that global gathering loudly enough. But that makes sense, since for Eric Whitaker's Virtual Choir 6, with 17,562 singers from 129 nations, they literally were told to sing gently. At a time when we could all use some peace, togetherness, and harmony, Stukert, a veteran flute teacher, was honored to be part of the online musical project. She's a big fan of Whitaker, the popular choral composer, and his ambitious virtual choirs, a project that started in 2010 with individual videos from 185 singers from 12 countries blended to perform a piece of his in perfect harmony. Previously, he had done five of the virtual choirs performing existing pieces, and each one was bigger than the last. Stukert saw on Facebook that Whitaker was seeking entries for a sixth mesmerizing new piece that he penned lyrics to, Sing Gently. Aptly during the global COVID pandemic when people can't gather to sing together, his verses said, May we stand together always, may our voice be strong, may we hear the singing always, and may we always sing along, sing gently, always sing gently as one. Over 17,000 people recorded that their individual three-minute video from home singing to video of Whitaker conducting and piano accompaniment, Stukert said. I'm sure that the pandemic played a huge role in the numbers as well because so many people don't have that outlet to sing with others right now, she said. While most theaters and choirs canceled performances, the Nova Singers found a way to come together in person to bring some much-needed peace, love, and joy into our lives. Under the direction of their fearless, passionate founder, Laura Lane, the 20-member vocal ensemble presented its first live stream event on December 12, 2020, 
on Facebook Live. Peace, Love, Joy featured solos, small group performances, and songs by the whole ensemble, with commentary by the amazing Lane, director of choral activities at Knox College, who started Nova Singers in 1986. Typically offering concerts throughout the year in the QC and Galesburg, Nova in late August recorded in a gazebo at Galesburg's Lincoln Park, with each member performing in special singers' masks. It was a mighty and mighty fulfilling undertaking for all involved. My super-talented son Josh also had his spring 2020 choir tour canceled. They were supposed to sing in Vienna, Prague, and Budapest, and the Grinnell Singers, too, took the lonely task of recording individually from home to make a touching wordless video for the holidays. Augustana College in Rock Island put together a similar virtual choir in August. First-year students fittingly performed Hope Lingers On after taking a virtual class with conductors John Hurdy and Michael Zemek last summer. Augustana invited members of the class of 2024 to take a free virtual summer class as a way to meet new friends and professors before arriving on campus. Museums in the area took varied approaches to dealing with COVID restrictions, and I was honored to be part of a new statewide effort in Illinois to track how museums were grappling with the crisis. The Prairie State Museums project began in April 2020 as an application to the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting's Coronavirus News Collaboration Challenge. In partnership with local journalism across Illinois, the project elevates the stories of Prairie State Museums and their inherent community and economic value as they face the COVID crisis. In June and July of 2020, the project worked with 13 news outlets across the state, employing 16 journalists. I represented the Quad Cities and contributed four stories for WVIK that are available at prairiestatemuseumsproject.org. Making it through nearly five months of a paralyzing pandemic was bad enough, but for those of us in Iowa and the Quad Cities, August 10th and the days that followed seemed especially cruel. I'll never forget that Monday afternoon working on my laptop in the basement, a prisoner in my own home, trying not to go insane during a crazy year. The power suddenly went out as a freak inland hurricane, or derecho, as everyone learned, swept through the Midwest. In the grand scheme of things, our household, including Tucson's home from March to September, was relatively lucky compared to those who had much worse property damage and lost power for six or seven days. We got our electricity back by Wednesday night around 9 p.m., but the intervening time was enormously frustrating. Usually glued to my phone and computer for work, news, and entertainment, going without seemed soul-crushing, and I felt lost. I didn't know what to do with myself. I read actual books for a while. I played on our Steinway Baby Grand. I took more walks than usual. The only car charger was in my wife's car, so we took turns charging our phones. The depressing feelings summed up most of what was a relentlessly bleak, loss-filled year, being powerless. If I ever write a memoir of 2020, Powerless will be its title. One of my QC stories emerged directly from the derecho. The 100-mile-an-hour winds that pummeled the QC on August 10th produced more than power outages, down trees, and other damage. The fast-moving, devastating storm gave wood artist Steve Sinner of Bettendorf an opportunity. The 78-year-old native of Omaha is an internationally acclaimed woodturner, and one of his latest projects turned a chunk of a large tree trunk downed in Bettendorf into a beautifully polished vessel. He has sold his gorgeous wood vases and other pieces around the world, including for auctions in fundraisers for the Figgy Art Museum and WQPT-TV, often netting thousands of dollars apiece. 
Sinner, who also produces and sells wood-turning equipment, is but one of countless examples of people and places this year who took lemons and made delicious lemonade from them. And the unending grief and chaos caused by COVID has left us with so many lemons. Over and over, I found artists, theaters, and nonprofits who took the terrible hands 2020 dealt them and created something beautiful and meaningful from them. Instead of remaining isolated, alone, and adrift, they joined hands and sought to connect whenever possible, connecting to their fellow arts professionals and, most importantly, to their audiences who needed them more than ever. That's precisely what I had to do working alone from my home, find a way to serve the arts community and keep that invaluable connection to the people, places, and organizations that make the QC such a wonderful place to live and work. I was honestly inspired and learned to motivate myself and to practice perseverance and resilience, and I found purpose and passion in my new role. So many artists and arts organizations were hurting, and I took it as my mission to get their stories out, to reflect how they were coping and how they adapted to keep getting their content out to the world and winning much-needed financial support. In helping build themselves up, I was building myself up. Of course, 2020 was a year of unending grief and having to deal with a different way of grieving. Our family had to absorb the May death of my 93-year-old mother-in-law with a strange and small, no extended family or friends graveside service in Naperville, Illinois. She had been in a Bettendorf nursing home, and because of COVID, we were prohibited from visiting her in person, which was very hard. The funeral was also difficult since it was only attended by my wife and two sons and her sister, Susan and husband Luke, who came in from Utah. My wife and sister-in-law each shared heartfelt stories and memories, and I couldn't even hug Susie, which seemed especially cruel in her time of need. We drove back home that same afternoon. A difficult loss was also recounting the hope, history, and gradual demise of the cool Bucktown Center for the Arts in Davenport and its parent Midcoast Fine Arts. The closing of the art galleries and studios in March 2020 was planned a few months before the onset of COVID, but its collision with the health crisis deprived the priceless nonprofit of a proper public farewell. A different kind of loss was seeing St. Ambrose in Davenport cut its award-winning theater major despite massive public opposition. I talked to some St. Ambrose alums for an October 27th piece and noted how the move seemed a public relations disaster that would undoubtedly affect future giving. Both of those major losses seemed not directly related to COVID at all, but victims of other pressures that led the respective organizations to make changes. The Bucktown Center story led indirectly to the creation of a weekly series I started in mid-June 2020, which I dubbed Saturday in the Arts, a play on the Chicago song Saturday in the Park. Each week I get to delve deeply into a cultural issue, subject, person, organization, or other trend that's worthy of greater attention, most all with a QC connection. The Saturday series has been another example of the creative reinvention and resilience I witnessed and tried to live during the year as countless performers, theaters, and arts organizations were also forced to embody. One such feature explored the River Music Experience based in Davenport and the new programs it unveiled because of COVID. Outdoor curbside concerts brought musicians right to people's yards, driveways, curbs, and cul-de-sacs, much needed by the public to hear live music again, and vital income for those artists. RME also introduced the weekday music lab, 
led by Brett Dale as an online educational vehicle and an informal laid-back fund for everyone as he mainly performed from his home. At my home, my, I was fortunate to have my wife Betsy and son Josh for invaluable support and love, and until mid-September, we were reunited with my older son Alex, a PhD student in artificial intelligence at Oregon State. My mental health would have been much worse trying to survive as a single person alone through the pandemic. We stayed in touch with some close friends with occasional Zoom happy hours and even more occasional times outdoors, visiting while masked and distanced. Having a video call, whether with a friend or source, was really not the same as being together in person. That holds true for seeing many performances through a screen rather than live with an audience. Over and over again, I heard from artists how hard it was to either perform from an empty theater, live stream online, or just from home in an online video format. It's been a challenge to be stuck at home, but it's certainly cut down on the commute to work and miles put on our cars. I've done nearly all my interviews by phone, and the rare occasions when I did venture outdoors for a story, it was a liberating, refreshing revelation. One was late September, meeting with a couple veterans at Circa 21 in downtown Rock Island to talk about their plans for a different Rocky Horror show. Even though we were behind masks, I had no problem seeing their love and passion for performing, especially getting the chance to get back on stage after so many months without. Their bright, expressive eyes told so much. Another was in October when I covered a wonderful new public art project in downtown Moline. Organized by Renew Moline with the city, the 25-year-old Davenport artist Brandon Nees created a brightly colored optimistic mural for the dilapidated vacant Spiegel building. The word possibility was painted in big turquoise block letters across seven plywood panels and literally gave us hope for the future when we really needed it. For all of us wearing masks that day, including the Moline mayor and heads of Visit Quad Cities and Quad City Arts, it felt good to be outside in that sunshine filled with boundless possibility and to see such a good-hearted, visionary artist recognized in this way. Some of the hardest times last year were having to turn down requests to go review the rare live music theater or dance in person, including Circa or Black Box Theater and Ballet Quad Cities, and decline in a to accompany an innovative Pleasant Valley High School musical or a Circa 21 audition. Our family has been super cautious with COVID and I became jealous of some of the performers who were getting back on stage or in bands playing in bars. I was luckily able to talk with many QC performers and venues about their winning efforts, but I lived vicariously through them, not able to even see them play in person. Shortly before Christmas, uh, the Music Guild gave The Secret Garden another lump of coal. They canceled a second time the postponed production for spring 2021 and replaced it with an online cabaret that I also could not accompany out of COVID concerns. In the second half of 2020, I was asked by Quad City Arts to contribute occasional blog posts for their website. The 50-year-old nonprofit typically offers a wide variety of exhibits, public art, concerts, and visiting artists in schools and other community sites, as well as grants to other artists and organizations. But it had to completely pivot in how it continued its programming, as most of the QC arts community did in 2020. Last year may have been a disaster, but news junkies like me thrive on such life-altering events. And it was a weird pleasure and thrill to be a witness to and trusted chronicler of such history happening seemingly every day. In the always changing media landscape, I had a once in a lifetime opportunity to fill a niche that was necessary in our community, both for WVIK and QuadCities.com. We have a tremendous dedicated arts community that deserves attention and support. 
and it was a true pleasure to be able to serve that need and stay connected. Despite 2020 being a disaster in so many ways, so many wonderful things emerged out of this nightmare of a year. In late December, I surpassed 300 stories I wrote for QuadCities.com, which has been a true lifeline and life changer for me and an ideal outlet for, uh, for me to feature the extraordinary people, artists, businesses, and organizations in our area. I was constantly amazed by the generosity of area residents who responded to the call for time and treasure from so many worthy organizations, from United Way to the Quad Cities Community Foundation, from the Quad Cities Cultural Trust to the pandemic-centered QC Hive. Despite how COVID laid waste to our local and national economy, people here found ways to still give money and volunteer hours. No one plans to lose their job. No one expects a once-in-a-century life-threatening pandemic. No one wants their theater or museum closed or gigs canceled because of a contagious virus. No one wants to literally avoid other people. We're innately social beings who yearn for interaction, affection, and support. No one wants to be sad, but life throws disappointments in our path all the time, pandemic or not. It's how we deal with them that tests our mettle. And life is what we make of that metal. In 2020 and 2021, it's certainly been heavy metal. The bleak, punishing challenges of 2020 were so, so much to handle. But once we come out of this, knowing we survived and triumphed in a way like veterans of a war may be the most satisfying story of all. I can't wait to write its final chapter. Thank you for listening to These Interesting Times. This audio presentation is made possible by a partnership between WVIK Quad Cities NPR, and the Midwest Writing Center in Rock Island, Illinois. Support for this project comes from the Illinois State Library.